it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Temple University is ranked among the top 50 public universities in the U.S. Through hands-on learning opportunities and world-class faculty, Temple students are prepared to soar in their careers. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. Welcome to What a Creep, the show with Margot Donahue and Sonia Mansfield talking about creeps from the past to the present. This is your quick guide to the biggest creeps, jerks, assholes, and losers, the best of the worst. From two nice ladies who want the world to be a little less creepy. Welcome back to What a Creep. This is Margot Donahue, and my cohort in creepitude, as always, is the amazing Sonia Mansfield. Hey, Sonia. Hello, my friend. Hello, my friend. And guess what? Today is season nine, episode one. And what we like nine. nine. So what we like to do when we start a season, a new season, is that we pick a topic and then we pick four creeps that fit that particular topic. So we talked about talk show creeps, rock creeps. Uh, what else did we talk about, Sonia? Comedy creeps. Comedy creeps. That's a really big popular one. So today we are talking about Oprah creeps. These were people that appeared multiple times on the Oprah Winfrey show. I'm super excited about it. I don't know about you. I'm super excited. You get a creep. You get a creep. Everybody (laughs) gets a creep. (laughs) But but before that, I just want to say thank you to the new Patreon members. That would be the initials LA, uh, Jen and Dawn. What we do with the Patreon bonus apps is that we put out two bonus apps per month. Plus, we put out a newsletter. Plus, everybody that joins the Patreon page right now is getting a Christmas card, a holiday card from us. And guys, it's just a way to help pay for the bills. We put out a new show every single week, and we're so, so supportive of that. So thank you guys so much for joining us on Patreon. And I'd also like to thank a few people on iTunes. They left us five stars, Sonia. We have Caprita. (gasps) Caprita, excuse me. And then Virginia Girl in Alabama. She teaches in Alabama. And by the way, Sonia... uh, Cecilia Peck, who we mentioned on a show previously about Keith Ranieri as our non-creep, she had Cecilia Peck speak to her students about one of her documentaries. So she was really excited. Ooh. Right? And also for Cycling Utah. You guys, thank you so much for leaving us five-star reviews. We're really appreciative. It helps us find our people. I appreciate that. Very much so. And also, you could find us on social media. We are at Facebook. We have a basic Facebook page that we do nothing with. It's just a place for older women to scold us about our bad language. By the way, we use salty language in this show. Yes, we do. We fucking do. We also have a private Facebook group. We try to keep the creeps out of there. And it's just a place to talk about past creeps, future possible creeps, creepy people in the news, that kind of thing. We really love our Facebook group, but it is private, though. So you have to ask to join. We'll check you out. And if you misbehave, you're gone. So thank you very much. We'll kick you out. (laughs) Out. We will take out the trash. (laughs) Take out the papers and the trash. Trash. 
And then we're also on Twitter at CreepPod because somebody had what a creep for 10 years and never did anything with it. Ah, creep. You can find us on Instagram at what a creep podcast. And we also have an email, what a creep podcast at gmail.com. Great place for comments and suggestions. We do like to hear your comments and suggestions. And also, if you would like some stickers, we are going to be dropping them in the mail for you. That's on my end very soon. So once again, that's what a creep podcast at gmail.com. And Sonia, can you tell them about the website? Yes, I can. It's at whatacreeppodcast.com, and you can find everything you ever wanted to know about our podcast there, all of our past episodes, and there are links to the Patreon page and our merch store, where you can get shirts, or masks, or journals, tote bags, whatever you want with our logo, and we also have some logos that are like, not a creep, it says like, not a creep, don't be a creep, and we're going to get a new logo soon. And we'll be uploading that there, too. So you could get new logo, old logo, whatever strikes your fancy. We also put our show notes in there. And just so you guys know, we do include them in every episode. We mention verbally what we're referencing, but we also include them. It's on your artwork. If you're listening on your smartphone, you swipe right or left, whatever. In the episode, you'll find the links there. But we also do include them in all the posts for the episodes on our on our website. And then, Sonia, yeah. we're going to be talking about Oprah today. And I guess I wanted to ask you... Are you an Oprah fan or not? I'm going to say yes. Mm-hmm. I I would say yes. I used to watch your show quite a bit, especially when I was in college, because it was on at that time of day when I had a little break. So and I think she's done a lot of good. I think she's unfortunately I think she's given a platform to some people who don't deserve it. Mm-hmm. But in general, I kind of like Oprah. Yeah, I, I do, too. I How about I, you? Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I was in it for the whole time. I start, she started in 1986, and I, I loved her in The Color Purple, and that's how I kind of met Oprah, Like that, and I thought she was great in that, and then I started watching her show. It was a little tabloidy at first, but then mm-hmm. it became this celebrity thing, and then I worked in public relations for years, and like that was the show. If you could get your author, expert, whatever, on the Oprah Winfrey show, it was good as gold. Like you were, yes. you, that was the highlight of success. And then she left the show in 2011 to start her own network. And then the last first season of the network that she started was the last season of her talk show. It was a behind the scenes look at her talk show. You cannot find this footage anywhere. I'm saying this now so someone will find it really easily for me, but I can't find this footage. But <laughs> Oh my God, what went on behind the scenes of that show was just astonishing. Like these people were terrified of her. Like she has so much power, but that is our person we're talking about today. And Oprah Winfrey is one of the most successful talk show hosts in the history of television. Her talk show ran from 1986 to 2011, was so powerful that she could create superstars from obscurity. She started as a celebrity chat tabloid show, like one time, like she brought on a whole bunch of racists and uh, a kind of a melee sort of (laughs) happened. Not her Mm -hmm. brightest moment. But it eventually morphed into a spiritually based program with subjects as varied as how to empower your soul and what our dead relatives have to teach us. Oprah is a perpetual seeker of wisdom and an unapologetically a hedonist, which I respect. She enjoys her wealth. She enjoys <laughs> fine things. I'm, you know, this is a person who went from absolute poverty, born to a single mother, yes. in Mississippi to being an Oscar-nominated actress and one of the richest people in the world. In her search for namaste, 
she has had her share of self-help hucksters on her program. Most have been forgotten, but there are a few that have been proven to be real, real super creeps. We will be talking about four such creeps today. And Sonia, I think you're going to start. I am. I am going to start with Dr. Phil. Uh, Sources for my Dr. Phil uh, rant (laughs) include (laughs) The Daily Beast, The Mercury News, BuzzFeed, Slate, Boston Globe, Kansas City Star, Psychology Today, and of course, Wikipedia, our good friends at Wikipedia. Dr. Phil made his name after a series of appearances on The Oprah Winfrey Show in the late 90s. He's got this very no-nonsense, like, confrontational style that really clicked with viewers and with Oprah, who helped him launch his own show, Dr. Phil, in 2002. He holds a doctorate in clinical psychology, but he actually stopped renewing his license to practice therapy in 2006. This is not surprising, considering he has prioritized his fame over professional ethics for some time. He has been inducted into the Broadcasting and Cable Hall of Fame in 2015. And in 2020, he actually received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Wow. I did not know that. Makes him a legit celebrity. <laughs> also, the National Alliance of Mental on Mental Illness has called Dr. Phil's conduct on his television show unethical and, quote, incredibly irresponsible. So translation, he's a creep. Let's start at the beginning. <laughs> Philip Calvin... Philip Calvin McGraw was born September 1st, 1950 in Venita, Oklahoma. I'm going to assume I pronounced that correct. He was a linebacker on the high school football team. And in 1968, he earned a football scholarship and was able to attend University of Tulsa, later transferred to Midwestern State University, where he graduated with a degree in psychology. He went on to earn a master's degree in experimental psychology And he has a Ph.D. in clinical psychology from the University of Northern Texas. He's actually a real doctor, y'all, or was. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) So let's quickly talk about his personal life. Dr. Phil married his first wife, an ex-cheerleader and homecoming queen named Debbie McCall in 1970. They were both 20 years old. And according to her, Dr. Phil was a controlling prick who would not (laughs) allow her to work outside the home. She was confined to domestic duties and instructed to begin lifting weights to improve her bus line. Oh, my God. (laughs) Seriously. Uh, He repeatedly cheated on her, and when confronted, he didn't deny it. The marriage was annulled after three years, and during the process of annulling that marriage, he met someone else named Robin Jo Jamison. Mm Mm-hmm. Jameson, sorry, Jameson. Um, and they were married in 1976, and they actually have two children. One is Jay McGraw, who now works as a producer of his dad's show, and Jordan McGraw. So let's get back to the business. In 1990, Dr. Phil co-founded something called Courtroom Sciences Incorporated, CSI. <laughs> it's the least popular CSI spinoff <laughs> with a lawyer named Gary Dobbs. And it's like a consulting firm that uses psychology and like jury selection, witness training, depositions, stuff like that. And that's how he met Oprah. A lot of people, I don't know if people remember this, in the 90s, Oprah actually got sued by a group of beef executives. This is true, beef executives, because she did an episode about about mad cow disease. Do you remember mm-hmm. this? Oh, yeah. And she said this, like, during the episode, she was like, maybe I don't want to eat meat anymore. I don't want to eat beef anymore or something like that. It, like, pricing, like, plummeted. And there was, like, 
she has so much power that mm-hmm. basically she got people to stop eating beef for a little while. So all these beef executives got together and filed a lawsuit against her claiming, you know, she defamed their product. So Oprah and her attorneys hired Dr. Phil and CSI, I'm sorry, CSI, to help with the trial. And they won. Like she was vindicated. And she was very impressed with Dr. Phil. And she invited him on her show. And it turned into this weekly spot on her show. So like, I think it was every Tuesday, he would come on and he was like their, he was like her relationship and life strategy expert. Did you watch when he was on? Yeah, I remember I was working on the Queen Latifah show. And we used to talk about Dr. Phil. And we like, I, I liked him at the time. Yeah. He was when he was on weekly. Me too. I, I thought he was great. It was no bullshit. And I had a really, this is sad. Yes. I had a really, I had a really good friend who had cancer and unfortunately she passed away, but she would watch this when he had his regular talk show, she would watch him every single day. And she was living with her sister. Her sister's like, you're dying and you're watching this asshole. Like, what are you doing? But she liked him. I mean, I, I, I have to say like, it, it was refreshing for the time. He was refreshing. Yeah, for sure. And I think he kind of he's he's gone the path of, say, like a Dr. Drew, too, where it's Mm -hmm. like it started from a good place and went off the fucking rails. But Dr. Drew is for another time. We're talking about Dr. Phil. So in 2002, Dr. Phil launched his own show. It's a daily syndicated talk show. It's produced by Oprah's Harpo Studios. It's been on the air for 18 years. I can't believe it. 18 years. And it is one of the top rated shows in syndication. And he makes more than $65 million a year. Wow. Yeah, I know. Dude's rich. He's rolling in it. Uh, Let's get to the creepy stuff. So in the late 1980s, one of Dr. Phil's former clients filed a complaint with the Texas State Board of Examiners of Psychologists, long name, alleging that he carried on a controlling and sometimes sexually inappropriate relationship with her. Controlling, you say? (laughs) I sense a trend. The client was 19 at the time, and she claimed that Dr. Phil touched her inappropriately, insisted that she check in with him often, and, and, quote, kept her totally dependent on him. Like maybe he would forbid her to work outside the home. Sounds (laughs) familiar. I know. He's a creep. Dr. Phil eventually settled that case, and he... The board issued a letter of reprimand and ordered that he undergo a year of supervision and ethics classes, and... After that, he closed his practice, and he, that's when he started trial consulting. Not suspicious at all. In 2003, Dr. Phil started pushing something called Shape Up. I don't <laughs> know if you remember this. It was a line of, like, nutritional supplements and shakes and power bars, and he would push these, like, on his show and in his books. He's written so many books, y'all. And the products claimed to contain scientifically, quote, scientifically researched ingredients that could help people change their behavior and help them lose weight. I assume those ingredients were meth and more meth. (laughs) I don't know. I never took it. (laughs) The Federal Trade Commission investigated and surprise found that Dr. Phil lacks the expertise to recommend weight loss products. Three consumers actually filed a lawsuit and in in 20, I'm sorry, in 2006, they were awarded $10.5 million. Yeah. Pretty sweet. He, if you look at him and you look at the shape that he's in, and he's not terrible or anything, but you would never look at this person like, oh, I bet he's at the peak of his health. I bet this person (laughs) has that secret. I mean, how does Dr. Phil look so good? Oh my God. Like, (laughs) 
it's no no it's like taking uh like it would be like if he endorsed like a like a hair products line exactly like, yeah, what's that bald dude think about hair like nah nah this one is one that kind of pissed me off so several years ago he had a mother on his show and the mother was saying that her five-year-old son liked to play with barbies and he suggested to her that she could correct this confusion by buying him only boy things. Mm. He told the mother, quote, not to panic, like having a gay son was like the worst thing that could possibly happen. And I actually have a quote from the show. He said, this is not a precursor to your son being gay. Direct your son in an unconfusing way. Don't buy him Barbie dolls or girls clothes. You don't want to do things that seem to support the confusion at this stage of the game. Take the girl things away, buy him boys toys, support him in what he's doing, but not in the girl things. So he never heard of William Wants a Doll. Do you remember there is that after school? There was this program free to be you and me. It's from the 70s. And they had like, uh, you know, Rosie Greer saying it's all right to cry. There's all these like, it's very liberal and and huggy kissy but there's there's this whole thing like alan alda sang the song (laughs) william wants a doll and the whole thing was that william wants a doll and everyone's freaking the fuck out and finally somebody's like look when he grows up he's going to be a really great dad because he's going to know how to change diapers he's going to be patient he's going to be whatever like yeah don't like like don't freak out about your son just because he wants a doll and i can't believe that i but i'm not i'm not shocked this is a guy who wanted to control the women in his life and whatever right yeah Seriously, who cares? Let yeah. your five-year-old play with whatever the fuck makes them happy. They're five. Right. They're five. It, who cares? It's like so not a big deal. Calvin has all kinds of toys. He has like a kitchen toy that he loves to play with. And, you know, it's just so silly. He has like an easy bake oven. Who cares? I wanted one so bad. My it's mom like, wouldn't get me. I have to say, though, we he got an easy bake oven last Christmas and we made one of the cakes. And I think that shit is fucking nasty. But yeah, he loved it. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's gross it's it's way too sweet the kids love that shit so whatever uh anyway in january 2008 dr phil went to visit britney spears when she had her nervous breakdown and she was in the hospital i don't know once again maybe people need a little refresher britney was like splitting up from her husband kevin Federline. remember when he was a thing remember and she had this like remember remember (laughs) and she like she freaked out like she shaved her head at one point she was like hitting like paparazzi with things she was she was really freaking out and she she lost custody of her kids to kevin and she really like there was hours long standoff with police and eventually she was placed in the hospital and dr phil went to see her he wanted her to come on the show for an intervention he went he he didn't really go there to help he went there to like book her for his show and then immediately after the visit dr phil released a statement to the press about Britney's situation, like he was a Britney expert. Mm-mm. And he shared like personal details about her situation that upset her and her family. And it was none of his fucking business. What an asshole. He's an asshole. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. 
It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Seriously. In 2013, Todd Herzog, he was a survivor winner. He had like a, uh, an al- he was an alcoholic. He had a serious, serious problem. And he agreed to go on Dr. Phil's show. And when he arrived at the studio in Los Angeles, he found a bottle of vodka in his dressing room and he was given a Xanax to, quote, calm his nerves. And I don't know if you've ever seen the clip from the interview, but he was so trashed that he had to be carried onto the set. Oh, my God. He took a breathalyzer. And he registered a 0.263 blood alcohol level. That is three times the legal limit. And he, oh he realizes he was set up to f- fail. Like they, There's a reoccurring thing with Dr. Phil and his people that work on his show. And I actually want to get into it more in a bonus app because there's a lot of this. Mm-hmm. They take like people with addiction problems and they put them in hotel rooms and... They keep them there for like two days. Sometimes they don't let them leave. And sometimes they start detoxing. And they don't give them medical help. Oh my goodness. This is like breaking my heart. Um, or, yeah. Or sometimes they let it get really bad and then direct them to a place to like get their booze or their drugs or things like that. So the, by the time they come onto the show, they're fucking broken. They're even, I mean, they're already broken, but they're like more like yeah. it's like amped up to the like one millionth degree. And it's all for ratings. It's fucked up. There's um, the Boston Globe and an organization called STAT, which is a health and medicine journalism website, did an investigation of Dr. Phil's show. And they found repeated instances of Dr. Phil and his staff putting ratings before guests health and safety. Like I said, they've gone without medical help while they withdraw from their drugs and one person said that she was actually directed like a place to buy heroin oh for god's sakes for herself like yeah i know (sighs) um most most recently dr phil went on fox news and he said some stupid shit about sheltering in place he's you know the whole like people die every year from car accidents and (laughs) cigarettes and swimming pools and we don't shut the country down for that and people rightly pointed out that that was stupid and irresponsible especially from someone who's still calls themselves a doctor on TV for some reason. So he issued a statement saying that smoking auto crashes, by the way, he said auto crashes, not car crashes. I'm like, why don't you fucking write like people talk asshole smoking, auto crashes, swimming. I know they're not contagious. So probably bad examples. Yeah. Yeah. Probably you fucking jackass. If 3000 people died every day in swimming pools, we would probably do something about it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Unless big swimming pool gets involved, then, you know, we can't do anything. We can't fight big swimming pool. They have all the lobbyists. But the truth is we don't shut the country down for car accidents. And But we have seatbelt laws. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't shut the country down for deaths related to cigarettes. But we have laws about how old you can be to buy them and where you can smoke. So fuck off, Dr. Phil. <laughs> <laughs> um, and like I said, I have more stories about how he's treated some of his guests, but I'm going to save it for a bonus up 
because this went way over like our allotted limit for Dr. Phil. So there will be more to to be continued when it comes to Dr. Phil. So that's Dr. Phil. So I want to talk about Dr. Oz. He is another one of Oprah's favorites who got his own talk show. My sources are Wikipedia, USA Today, New Yorker, CNN Money, and the Washington Post. Dr. Mehmet Oz was born 1960 here in the States. He's a Turkish-American doctor. He's Muslim. And he graduated. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. um, He practiced Sufism. He graduated from Harvard Medical School. Um, He played football on the Harvard team. Something about football players. He went to the University of Pennsylvania as well and was just your average heart transplant specialist when he was shot into stardom as America's doctor by Oprah. He appeared frequently on her show starting in the early 2000s. And what people really liked about him is he loved data and specificity. He could calculate, he said anyway, that he could calculate the exact number of orgasms a woman needs per year to feel satisfied (laughs) with her partner. And in case you're wondering, it's 200, (laughs) to which I say, good on you, Mrs. Oz. (laughs) That's not bad. (laughs) Nice. He would ask audience members to visit the on-set restroom and then ask them to describe the shape and color of their poops. It's another person that was really obsessed with poops. Oh, yeah. That was multiple, multiple shows he talked just about pooping. Oz really wanted people to to live their longest life and their best life. And he was as telegenic as hell. He just spoke in sound bites. And he could make really mm-hmm. complicated things sound much more simple. And so Oprah being as smart as she is, she signed him to her company, Harpo, which is Oprah spelled backwards, if you didn't know that. And he started his own talk show in 2009. He's won several Emmys, excuse me, Emmys <laughs> for best informational talk show. And at his height, he had 4 million viewers a day. Now, the problem with Dr. R's and his show started pretty quickly because he was the purveyor of new information. But he was also, he super believes in homeopathy and natural healing. He likes, he, he says that he likes to go back, we'd like to go back to a time where there was like a village healer. And that was the person that cured everybody. And I'm like, yeah, that's when we had bubonic plague and shit like that. Like, no, I don't mm-hmm. want that. I want experts. Excellent at explaining how organs work and distilling complica- complicated information into sound bites that were easy to follow. But that gets boring after a while. And basically somebody who's just telling you, hey, eat healthy and exercise and you'll live a good life. People are just going to be like, they're going to shrug their shoulders and say, so what? He was really susceptible to fast tracks to good health. He loves like, there's this new research on vitamins, minerals, anything, and they can lead to a miracle weight loss pill. So for a while, he was super into pure green coffee beans, which caused the stock, the, the, the coffee beans to sell out because people were just like rampant for it. He claimed that you could lose 20 pounds and 16% of your body fat in just a few weeks with this green bean coffee beans. The Federal Trade Commission said, not really, that's false advertising, and he had to stop promoting it. He also promoted raspberry ketones as a miracle fat burner. He loves to use these these words too. Mm. Miraculous. It's a miracle. 
And there are tests, according to lab rats that got these ketone supplements, that it can reduce your appetite, but there's no evidence that it works with humans. He also promoted, here's a big one for a while, Garcinia Cambogia extract, extract, excuse me. He called it the newest, fastest fat burner. And that went like crazy and sold like crazy. And the problem is that these studies that he, he cites, sometimes there's like six people in the study. It's not like it's some big survey, you know, but he's always looking for that magic pill, that magic thing that's going to like cure the person. And people are looking for magic cures because everyone's bored with eating healthy and exercising. Let's be clear. Right. They they want the easy, they want the easy way. I get, I get it. I would like that too. We all (laughs) would, but you know, at some point you can't keep promoting this stuff. And we talked Mm -mm. about this when we talked about goop, like, you know, you don't need all these vitamins and stuff like that. I mean, you don't need to spend that much money on them. And the, the claims they have, I mean, the FTC is very strict and they, cause they have to be because people promise you like losing 20 pounds in like two weeks from a pill. Not healthy. No. I mean, believe me, Mm -mm. we all take it, but no. So he was called. (laughs) (laughs) He was called to Congress in 2014, basically to get him to stop promoting things like that crap. And Senator Claire McCaskill warned him that she is concerned with him making medical advice, melding, excuse me, medical advice, news, and entertainment in a way that harms consumers. And he kind of had to be like, okay, I, I guess I could use better language, blah blah blah. In 2015, there were calls for his firing at Columbia Medical School, which is where he still works. But he was called out by his fellow physicians who said he exemplifies disdain for science. Hmm. Coming up later. Yeah. (laughs) The ratings started to tumble after this. Uh, He's still on the air, by the way. But and and it's tumbling for a lot of people because it wasn't just that, but also because streaming and things like that. But he's always trying to find a way to, they all try to find a way to keep the audience going and keep the ratings up. So for him, the way he did it is in 2016, in lieu of giving a full medical report to the media, then presidential nominee Donald Trump instead visited Dr. Oz on his set. They dragged it out for a whole hour, Mm -hmm. several segments. Ivanka was there. And in the end, the president handed a one-page document, not a full medical exam that Dr. Oz said he was going to read on the air, but by his doctor, Harold N. Bornstein, that claimed Trump would be the healthiest president in history. <laughs> it's, it's, so <laughs> just fucking, it's so stupid. It's so stupid. If this was an if this was in a movie, you would be like, that's not something that would happen. In you the would have world. to recast because you'd be like, no one would believe this yet. That yeah. this Harold Bornstein. Look up, look him up, guys. He looks like a lunatic. Later, as president, Trump put Oz and former Hulk Lou Ferrigno on his council for sports, fitness, and <laughs> nutrition. Doctor Drew is also in the Trump cabinet or works with them. Doctor Drew. We'll get to him one day. Trust me, you guys. <laughs> Recently, with the COVID-19 epidemic, it was said that Trump watches Dr. Oz every day to find out like what he could tell people. And in April of 2020, Dr. Oz appeared on the Sean Hannity program, Fox News, discussing the mm. tantalizing opportunity it is to send kids back to school right away. For America, like we shut down March 12th. In April, he's like, we need to open up those schools again. Like we knew nothing, but it was spreading. And his reasoning was that 
there would just be a 2 to 3% mortality rate. But that would also help the U.S. get its mojo back. Yeah, why don't we just sacrifice a few thousand kids so that we can get our fucking groove back? Fuck off, Dr. Oz. He had to apologize Ugh. for that. The yeah, following month in May, he promoted the use of hydrogloxychloroquine. I don't know how to say this word, but anyway, it was to treat COVID. And then all of a sudden, President Trump was tweeting about it. Ugh. It's a malaria drug. And the yeah. FDA had to kind of pull it, get in there and say, no, 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 no. The, the, we can't use this to treat the virus. Yeah. When one of his colleagues. Did you try bleach? Did he recommend <laughs> bleach too? You got to shoot it up in your veins. Yeah, you got to put it right in your veins or maybe just, you know, rip your body open and blast a fucking light in there. Did that come from Dr. Oz too? Ugh. When okay. one of his colleagues at Columbia Medical School was asked to comment on Oz's various various pieces of advice for COVID treatment, they replied, sorry, but I have better things to do. Literally like cleaning my fingernails than watching <laughs> Oz or discussing him. <laughs> yeah, burnt, Dr. Yep, Oz. Burnt. Lately, he has been on the intermittent fasting bandwagon, saying that people should eat only from 11 a.m. to 4 p.m. Um, or actually, I'm sorry, some 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. and to forego breakfast. Mark Wahlberg, the actor Mark Wahlberg, we may talk about him one day, called him out on Twitter and says, I have breakfast every day and I'm super healthy. And he, they had a push-up challenge on Twitter and Mark Wahlberg <laughs> won. Oz I never thought 60. I would say this, but I root for Mark Wahlberg. That's a case I work for Mark this. Wahlberg. Yeah. And he, and yeah. Oz is 60. Why are you competing with Mark Wahlberg? You're being such a fool. Lastly, three Mayo Clinic scholars, John Tilbert, Megan Elise, and Frederick Hafferty, Hafferty, excuse me, asked why Dr. Oz cannot be reined in. And this is from the American Medical Association's Journal of Ethics in 2017. Should a physician be allowed to say anything, however inaccurate or potentially harmful, so long as the individual commands market share? Dr. Oz certainly appears to be someone peddling unproven and ineffective recipes for personal gain. It would seem like his is a paradynamic test, test case for professional self-regulation in medicine. Yet he remains immensely popular, prompting us to wonder if we cannot effectively sanction Dr. Oz whom can we sanction? And that is our second creep, Dr. Oz. Good job. It was such an asshole. It was a mouthful at the end. Sorry, you guys, but I, I wanted to include that in there because, like, the yeah, the medical industry, yeah. medical people are just like, this is really crazy. Like, because their patients are getting really bad advice. Speaking of bad advice, you ready to hear about Jenny McCarthy? I think a lot of people are. Uh, yeah, I think this is the one people have been waiting for. I mean, from me, not for this whole episode, but um, so trigger warning. I have thoughts and feelings about this subject. I will try to keep my shit together. <laughs> my nine-year-old son, Calvin, is autistic. So obviously this creep like hits me in my most soft, vulnerable spots, kind of like the Betsy DeVos episode. So I'll try to keep it in check. Sources include The Daily Beast, Time Magazine, Jezebel, Oprah.com, Frontline, uh, The World Health Organization. Yeah, I dug deep, folks. Vox, Autistic Mama, 
Autistic Self Advocacy Network, and of course, Wikipedia. Jenny McCarthy is a former Playmate of the Year, turned game show host, turned actress, turned talk show host, turned famous anti-vaxxer. She has been described as the face of the anti-vax movement. She hates the label anti-vax or anti-vaxxer. She prefers to be called pro-safe vaccine. Well, I like being called a size four, but it's not accurate. Too bad, Jenny McCarthy, you're a creep. (laughs) Uh, Let's start at the beginning. Jennifer Ann McCarthy was born November 1st, 1972 in the southwest Chicago suburb of Evergreen Park. She is the second of four daughters and actress Melissa McCarthy is her cousin. I did know that and then forgot and now I know again. As a teenager, Jenny attended Mother McCauley Liberal Arts High School and she was a cheerleader at both Brother Rice High School and St. Lawrence High School, but she claimed she was an outcast in high school and she was bullied because cheerleaders are always outcasts and bullied. Yeah, yeah, beautiful blonde (laughs) cheerleaders, sure. Yeah, sure, sure, Jen. She went to Southern Illinois University for two years before she dropped out in 1993 Playboy magazine offered her $20,000 to pose for its October issue, and she did do that. She became the Playmate of the Month, that October issue. And then this led to a hosting gig on the Playboy channel, which, does the Playboy channel still exist? I don't know. You're asking me. Maybe? <laughs> I, no, I, I'm just throwing it out there, like, almost rhetorically. I, I don't... It was the channel that was like scrambled on our thing. So yes. I don't I don't even know if it's a thing anymore. But she hosted a show and it was called Hot Rocks. And I guess it played like uncensored music videos or something. I don't know. I didn't watch that shit. This led to a gig at MTV where she co-hosted the dating show Singled Out with another creep, Chris Hardwick. That's in our comedy creeps episode. And that led to roles in movies like Basketball, uh, Scream 3, Scream Movie 3, And she was on a whole bunch of sitcoms like Just Shoot Me, Drew Carey Show, Wings, you know. And then she co-hosted The View. And now she's a judge on The Masked Masked Singer. Mm -hmm. I've never watched that um, because I hate Jenny McCarthy. She also co-hosts Dick Clark's Rockin' Eve (laughs) with Ryan Seacrest, (laughs) apparently. I don't watch that because I don't know if I mentioned this. I hate Jenny McCarthy, so I don't watch that shit. In September 1999, she married actor-director John Mallory Asher and their son, Evan, was born May 2002. Evan was diagnosed with autism in May 2005. And then later that year, Jenny and John divorced. And this is like sadly not uncommon for couples that have children with special needs. Sometimes the stress of that, it takes its toll on the relationship and the couple split. So that happens. I'm not going to talk about her relationships that much, but she did date. She was with Jim Carrey for about five years. And now she's married to Donnie Wahlberg, who of course was one of the new kids on the block. And he's an, he's an actor now. He's on a show called like blue bloods or something. I don't watch that shit. Do you watch that show? No, that was my mom's show. You do? No, no, my mother. Totally. That was my mom's show too. My mom loved, she loves some Tom Selleck, man. She loves some Tom Selleck. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. 
With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. My mom's a sucker for a mustache, apparently. <laughs> so let's get to the serious stuff. In 2007, Jenny went public with Evan's diagno- uh, autism diagnosis. Like I said, diagnosed in 2005. He was about two years old. He was having seizures. And she noticed that he didn't make eye contact. He tended to be in his own world. And she told a story to PBS that is very, very familiar to me. I actually tell this, I have very similar stories about Calvin, about like how um, he was in a play group and kids would steal toys from him, like just take toys from him. And he, he wouldn't notice or he didn't even care. And I would think, oh my God, my kid is so polite and sweet. He doesn't care. But it's actually a sign of, it's a sign of autism in that they're, they, they don't even recognize it. Mm-hmm. You know, and they don't know how to like say that's mine, like a normal, like a quote unquote normal, like a neurotypical kid would. Calvin was like that, too. Mm -hmm. So when she first suspected that things weren't quite right, Jenny took her son to see this top neurologist. And he was diagnosed with autism and she was devastated, she says, rightly so, by the way. It's a very upsetting diagnosis to get, especially Mm -hmm. when you don't understand it. And she said that night she typed autism into Google and in the sponsored links, it's a generation rescue. And this is a quote from her. And I decided to click on it because right underneath it, it said autism is reversible. And I thought to myself, well, this must be a load of crap, because if it was true, why didn't the best neurologist in the world tell me that there's something I could do to reverse autism? Maybe because it's a load of crap, Jenny McCarthy, <laughs> FYI. <laughs> the group encouraged her to try a gluten-free, dairy-free diet for her son. And she saw immediate results. So within two weeks, her son had better eye contact and like his his language improved. And this is totally a thing. A lot of autistic children have dietary gastrointestinal issues Mm -hmm. and you you put them on this kind of diet and those things are relieved and you will see this kind of marked improvement because they're not suffering from like constant gas pain or things that they're they're not capable of telling you about. So you will see this like marked improvement, but in no way are you curing autism. You've cured their stomach problems with these diets that a lot of them have. So anyway, Jenny's first book was called Louder Than Words, A Mother's Journey to Healing Autism. And it was published in 2007. And this is what led to her appearance on the Oprah Winfrey show in which she told her story about all the cool facts she learned while Googling autism. Her experience on Oprah then led to appearances on Larry King Live and Good Morning America. And this just allowed her to spread her these bullshit theories to 20 million people and people took her super seriously. So, you know, and once again, her theory is that he got this from vaccines. This is her theory. That's why he got why he kind of slid into this. The language kind of regresses. The eye contact stops and it happens around two years old, which is also when they get their like measles, mumps, rubella vaccines. Mm -hmm. So she thinks they're related. They're not related. So yeah, so she went on all these shows and she's like spreading her bullshit lies. And I mean, I know personally, I just don't know who to believe. 
should I believe the people who went to school for this sort of thing? Or should I, you know, believe the lady who co-hosted a dating show on MTV in the 90s? It's a real head scratcher. So I'm going to shake this magic eight ball. Hold on, Margo. <laughs> See what it says. Oh, it says all signs, all signs point to vaccines. There you go. <laughs> so to this day, the episode with Jenny McCarthy, and it's called Mother's Battle Autism, is actually on Oprah's website. And there's no corrections or acknowledgments about like the fact that vaccines don't cause autism. This is not a thing. Um, there's also an article from 2008 on Oprah.com. It is filled to the brim with like this kind of bullshit. <laughs> and and there's a link in the show notes. Once again, no acknowledge, acknowledgments, no corrections about how this is bullshit. This is bullshit. She's written several, book, several books. She's co-written several books about parenting. And they're all about like environmental causes, alternative medical treatments for autism. So it's got the extremely false idea that vaccines cause cause autism mm -hmm. and she also pushes something called i'm going to see if i could pronounce this correctly chelation therapy which she claims cured her son of autism and what it is it is a treatment for metal poisoning so if you had like arsenic lead mercury things like that there is no evidence that this works and in fact it's super dangerous and and two children have died from it <gasps> but she claims it cured she says that this very dangerous therapy and diet changes have cured his autism. But a lot of experts actually point out that her son had seizures and a lot of his improvement happened after the seizures were treated, which means he is probably, he probably suffered from something called the Landau Keffler syndrome and it's often misdiagnosed as autism. Mm -hmm. And this would explain his quote unquote cure. She is denied that her son was misdiagnosed, maybe because it would impact the sales of her books. I don't know. And and I don't want to be too shitty. Like, I, I have no doubt that, like, Jenny McCarthy super loves her son and she's doing everything she can to, like, help him. I get it. But it's a big deal for her to promote these fucking quack theories mm -hmm. because you're going to see why here in a second. So she got to go on Oprah, Larry King, Good Morning America all the talk shows, co-hosting The View, all these things, promoting her batshit insane conspiracy theories. And in turn, she elevated someone named Andrew Wakefield, who is this fucking quack <laughs> who, who did this research study linking vaccines to autism, which has been debunked a million times. And he's been laughed out of intelligent society. She actually wrote the foreword for his book, He's a huge fucking asshole. He's a huge asshole. And we could do a whole separate episode yep. about him. He's on the list. Um, he is on the list. So if if y'all want to write in the group, you should do him. He's on the list. She's trying to like backtrack some of her anti-vax history now. She claims that she's just pro-safe vaccine, which is a fucking stupid thing to say because mm -hmm. it insinuates that somehow people are pro-unsafe vaccines. I'm like, fuck off. She said, we are demanding safe vaccines. If you ask a parent of an autistic child if they want the measles or autism, we will stand in line for the fucking measles. That's what she said. <sighs> Hi, parent of an autistic child here. Fuck off. <laughs> <laughs> measles can result in blindness, brain swelling, severe respiratory infections, and death. It's incredibly contagious. And it could kill people. Right. 
why would I fucking choose that shit? Fuck off. I'm, it makes me angry. Can you guys tell I'm angry? I'm angry. <laughs> um, there's these debates in the autism community about funding for services for autistic people, funding for autism research, and funding for a autism cure. And some people in the autism community find the idea of a cure to be pretty offensive. Keep in mind, autism is a spectrum. So I can't, you know, I'm not speaking for everybody. This is like general stuff. But some people do need more help than others. And the, I would say an overwhelming majority of that community would say they don't need a cure. Mm-hmm. Like for a majority of autistic people, being autistic is part of their identity. Just as I would say, like being a woman is part of my identity. Being a mother is part of my identity. Like being autistic is part of their identity. How do you cure someone of their identity? Right. You know, it's insane to me. And I, I also reject the idea that somehow they are broken and they need to be fixed. Right. And I don't think that they think that either. Autistic people are just wired differently, you know. And so the idea that you would take an quote unquote autistic brain and try to fix it to be a normal brain, quote unquote normal brain, by the way, a lot of quote unquotes. I'm sorry, but um, it just doesn't make sense. And there are these things that are that do need to be cured, like intest- gastrointestinal issues, the seizures. Those things are not autism. Mm-hmm. They are called something called comorbid disorders, and they are disorders that happen to be alongside autism, but they're not from autism. So I think that that's something to point out. So like, for example, if your child has epilepsy, curing their autism, quote unquote, curing their autism wouldn't do anything for their seizures. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just wanted to make that very clear. And I'm also I'm very pro neurodiversity. Like we shouldn't be forcing autistic people to change right. to fit into society. Society needs to be more inclusive. And that's true of everything. Like for all disabilities, for people who can't see, hear, walk, all of it. Like mm-hmm. we should be inclusive. And I, I bring all this up because we should be funding services for autistic people in research so we can get better treatment for all these things. She, Jenny McCarthy, is a spokesperson for something called Talk About Curing Autism. She partici- participated in fundraisers, online chats. She did a lot of activity activities for them. She's also a spokesperson for Generation Rescue, which I mentioned earlier, which is an anti-vaccine organization. And interesting story about Generation Rescue. Um, an investigation has found over the years that the treatments and products that they recommend and sometimes sell on their website directly profit, the board members directly profit from it. Holy cool. shit. I know, right? <sighs> That's some illegal shit right there. The American Academy of Pediatrics issued a statement that there is no valid scientific evidence that vaccines cause autism because of unfounded fears about vaccines. The U.S. is suffering the biggest measles outbreak in a decade. Jenny McCarthy is almost single-handedly responsible for the anti-vax movement. It was identified by the World Health Organization as one of the top 10 global health threats of 2019. In 2018, there were 140,000 measles measles deaths globally, mostly among children under the age of five. Holy shit. So we can thank her for the return of the fucking measles. And the fact that there are people who will not take this new coronavirus vaccine when it's available because they still get their medical advice from the former host of Singled Out. It's like, this is some bullshit that makes me incredibly angry. And the idea that you would risk your child dying of a preventable disease 
because you're worried about autism, which they won't get from a vaccine, makes me very angry. <laughs> I don't know if you can tell. No, it makes me angry, too. And uh, I, honestly, I could just go on and on but I'll get upset and I'll start crying. So I just, I, Jenny McCarthy is a fucking creep. And I just, she has not done any, she hasn't done any favors for the autistic community. And yeah, I'm done. <laughs> no, she also, I remember like when she went, when she was on Oprah and I was so upset because Oprah totally loaded the audience. She was like, you know, Jenny is a mother. She's a mother with a mission and that makes her yeah. on par she's a, with a doctor. She's, yeah. And, she, She's a warrior mother. Yeah, and oh, yeah. We'll talk about warrior in my next in my next segment. But I remember after she did Oprah, she was on Larry King Live, and she was on with two doctors, and the two doctors are desperately trying to convey the information that vaccines are safe. This is why they're important. And she actually t- said to one of them, "You're full of shit," and it was con- yeah. yeah. She did that like to somebody's like who's devoted their lives to say you know to saving people. And it's because she doesn't want an autistic kid, by the way. She thinks it's negative. Yeah. As a mother of an autistic son, I never, I don't think of it as an, he's Calvin. He's amazing. I wouldn't change anything about him. Right. I also understand, like I said, it's a spectrum and there are things that are hard about autism. There are children who are nonverbal. Like, should we be wasting our time trying to find a cure or should we be, putting our time and effort and money into finding a way to help those children and adults, by the way, I I don't want to leave adults out, Mm -hmm. find ways for them to communicate. We're not focusing on the right things. And that like this anti-vax bullshit is just a, a distraction from the things we could be doing that could really help people. And that's why I get so upset. And I, I do get upset when people talk about it like it's a negative, like mm-hmm. we should be celebrating. Well, not celebrating. I want to use the right words. We should be promoting neurodiversity. Not everybody's the same. Right. And that's okay. There's, there's room for everybody here. Are you familiar and, with Amy yeah. Schumer? The, the She's the comedian and the actress. She's, yeah. Her husband um, is autistic and she, mm-hmm. and she, she says, I love him for it. He's honest. He's loyal. Yeah. He's dependable. Like she says, I love everything about it. Wouldn't change anything about him, which is incredible. Yeah. Yeah. I, I saw her stand up when she was talking about that and it made me cry like a little baby because <laughs> it's like the kind of thing I want for Calvin when he grows up. Like Calvin is very sweet and, but he's all, but he's also very honest and very literal and there's nothing wrong with that. It's like such an awesome thing. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got a super memory. He's obsessed with ceiling fans. Hashtag ceiling fans for Calvin. <laughs> <laughs> if you were wondering why we were having people post that in a Facebook group. <laughs> it's for Calvin. He's obsessed with the ceiling fans. He loves them very much. So, yeah, that's our creep, Jenny McCarthy. Let's let's move on to the next one before I start getting really upset. Okay, so this one, you guys, uh, hold on to your girdles. I mean, my goodness, this guy is such a fucking asshole. Trigger warnings for this episode, uh, death by suicide, um, hucksterism. He's just a real big piece of shit. I'm ready. So I want to, oh, here are my sources, by the way. This is for James Arthur Ray. Not James Earl Ray. That guy shot Martin Luther, Martin Luther King. This is somebody totally different. And he... he's a, I'm like, he's a creep too. <laughs> he's a creep too. Trust me. But this he's not a creep for the same reason. So this is from Wikipedia, The Self-Styled Life. 
ABC News, CNN, The Guardian, People, also a documentary from CNN called Enlighten Us, The Rise and Fall of James Arthur Ray, and a really cool podcast. There are six episodes. It's called Guru, The Dark Side of Enlightenment by Matt Stroud, and it's for Wonderly. Wonderly. Wondery, excuse me. And Sonia, do you remember The Secret when it became a thing? Yes, I do. (laughs) Yes, I do. I did not read it. I just know what it is, which is you kind of put something that you want out into the world and it comes back to you. Am I remembering this correctly? Yes. So basically it was a video that was passed around and it was free. You know, someone would just send you the link and you would watch this movie for free on your laptop, which was like, whoa, really a free movie? And 90 minutes. <laughs> There's a reason it was free. It's a very good reason why it was free. <laughs> it was created by an Australian woman named Rhonda Byrne. And the film had many talking heads giving their best tips on how to use the laws of attraction to make yourself healthy, happier, and wealthy. And there were, like I said, there were a lot of talking heads in there. One woman claimed that the secret cured her of her breast cancer. Uh, people claim that it saved them from poverty. They claim that they use the powers of of attraction to find their soulmate. People ate this shit up. And so soon Rhonda Byrne had a book deal. And with that book deal, she went on the Oprah show with several of the talking heads from that movie. One of them was a guy named James Arthur Ray, born 1957 in Oklahoma. His dad was a preacher. And he had kind of this tough relationship with his father. He was obsessed with self-help. And first he worked for Stephen Covey, who did the Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. He did that kind of motivational speaking. He then worked for AT&T in marketing, and then he became a salesperson. And he basically kind of stole the tips from uh, Steve Covey. Uh, Stephen Covey, excuse me, and then just other self-improvement people like Tony Robbins and use that to create his own kind of brand. And one of the early gurus of the 70s was the thing called EST, E-S-T, and it was from Werner Erhard. And this was a guy in the 70s, and you hear about this a lot if you look this shit up. This guy commanded a huge salary and what he would for giving speeches and basically you would go into a conference room or a, a ballroom and you would have problems and this guy would basically yell at you and humiliate you into basically getting over your problems. That'll fix it. That'll fix you. That'll fix it. And the whole thing is just like finding your authentic self and finding the things that limit you and then fi- identifying what limits you and then eschewing that and then you're going to be great. And they all do that. Scientology promises that. We were we were talking about Keith Renier like last week with Nexium. It's it's all based on that. It's just the way you package it and the way you sell it. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. <gasps> No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Tony, and so James Arthur Ray, he's not as tall as Tony Robbins. Nobody is. He was trying to find <laughs> his way. 
of, you know, of finding out uh, like how he was going to move forward. But he just stole a little bit from here and there, like all people do, like to find their way. And I, I should say, by the way, that Werner Erhardt is still alive, but he sold his business in 1984. And now the program is called Landmark Forum. And there's a lot of people think that that's a whole other thing. But James Arthur Ray does the circuit in the mid-90s. And after a while, he has a reputation as a pretty decent public speaker, and he wants to help people get rich. But he might make you cry in front of other people for it. He says he can fix relationships. He can help you find your path, help you find love, and mostly help you find and make money. He will, his big quote from The Secret, I fully know for me that there is no blame. Every single thing is your responsibility and nothing is your fault because every single thing that you, that comes to you is a gift, a lesson. And I wrote my notes like, yeah, hear that all of you Holocaust surviving assholes. <laughs> like It was a lesson. Yeah, it's a gift. It's a gift. Didn't you learn anything? <laughs> <laughs> he was featured in The Secret and Asshole. this, and this, and it gave him the platform to sell himself to a worldwide audience. And so like I said before, Oprah had a panel and it was with all these people that were from The Secret. And of course, I watched it and <laughs> I was the least impressed with this guy. I thought he was a yutz. But he actually said to Oprah, I just want to thank you for letting me thank you for this opportunity. And Oprah actually goes, wow. Like he said something <laughs> deep. <laughs> but you, could also- you get a thanks. You get a thanks. <laughs> But you, everybody gets a thing. Well, this is when Oprah's starting to turn super spiritual, right? Like this is totally up her alley. This is totally her thing. And so then now he's uh, he goes on Oprah's show a few times. He goes on Larry King. He's on the Today Show. He, you know, once because once Oprah anoints you, you're famous. Like yes. you're considered an expert. So. One of his books that he has it that he sells, it's a huge bestseller. It's called Harmonic Wealth, The Secret of Attracting the Life You Want. He doesn't believe in balance. He believes in harmony, which is like, aren't they the same fucking thing? But anyway, mm-hmm. he was pulling in thousands and thousands of people for his shows. And it was this huge production. And he estimated that at, at the time, he needed to make $6 million a year just to break even. And the only way to do that is to put on these big, spectacular shows and to go on the road. And he had to keep writing the books and keeping coming up with new ways of saying the same thing. That's the problem with all these people. They get one or two books in them. And then after that, they have nothing else to promote. You know what I mean? They have that, that right. one kernel of an idea. Men are for Mars. Women are for Venus. You know, the chicken soup for the soul. Like, once people get over it, they're over it. He also yes. had an issue because... He envied the showmanship of Tony Robbins. Tony Robbins, if you remember from the infomercials, he jumps out of a helicopter. You know, he's running to meetings. He doesn't walk. He runs. And he always shows people and participants and that they're walking on hot coals. And like, if you walk across these hot coals, you're going to like totally have a breakthrough. And I remember somebody telling me like, a guy on a date he was like, well, you know, the secret is just that to keep walking fast. I'm like, yeah, well, no one's going to stop and look for a quarter when they're on, you know, walking on a hot cold <laughs> dummy. Like, yeah. Well, there quarter? will be no second date. <laughs> <laughs> Moron. But anyway, so he's doing stuff like that, but he's trying to find interesting ways, different ways. 
and people start getting injured at his events. He also does the things that he keeps people busy. If you're there for three days or five days, he keeps you busy all day and late into the night. He makes sure that they're sleep deprived. He's constantly hawking his wares. And he's also trying to sell them at home programs as follow up. And then he also is trying to get them to do physical acts that seem terrifying or undoable. These are things to conquer your fears. And he has you sign a release. And the release is like, you know, you're doing something really dangerous. I could kill you, but you're, but hey, you're going to learn a lot, aren't you? And people sign things Mm -hmm. because they think no one's trying to kill me here because that would be bad for business, right? You kind of in the back of your head, especially in America, because with all the lawsuits that we have here and all the lawyers that we have, that people are going to be safe. But this asshole, no. One of his things was creating sweat lodges which is based on indigenous people's practices here in North America, where you meet in a circle and you put a tarp over the circle and then you put hot rocks in the center and you add water to steam it. And you put maybe a dozen people there tops. Like it It sounds like my fucking nightmare. Well, have you ever been in a sauna? Like some people really love saunas. Yeah. I hate that. I hate that. I'll be in there. No, no, I'll be in there for like a second and I'm like, that's ah, enough of that. Yep. <laughs> I cannot. I'll I walk can- right. No, seriously. It hits like 80 degrees here in San Francisco and I'm like, what the fuck? I like lose my mind. I don't like to be sweaty. <laughs> no, nor do I. <laughs> but some people find it liberating or they find yeah. it. Yeah. And it's, but just you know, whatever floats your boat, whatever's, you know. So he's stealing this from the Native Americans and say and, and making it his own thing. But the way James did it is James Arthur Ray. He would take that same circle and the tarp and he would fit 50 people in there, 60 people. So you would go in and sit in a circle cross-legged and then they bring a new group in and sitting in front of you, another circle and then another circle. So you can't get out easily and you're just trapped in there. I mean, I, I get also claustrophobia if that's one of your triggers just ooh. so let me tell you about a Yuck. couple of um, times that he practiced unsafe things in 2005 a new jersey woman this is all from wikipedia she shattered her hand after she was pressured by ray to participate in a quasi martial arts board breaking exercise oh jesus this happened at disney world where he held a thing one of his things is called spiritual warrior. What he also, what he has, by the way, is like, you can go in and just buy You could just go buy his book. You could just go onto his website or you can go see him in person at a talk, or you could pay more money and it's a three day weekend, or you could pay more money and it's a five day weekend. You know, and they, they're all called different things. Mm-hmm. The five day thing is called spiritual warrior. And that's considered like the top, top I'm a thing. Warrior. <laughs> Always, always. Warriors, come out and <laughs> get your it. gift. <laughs> One of the spiritual warriors exercise in 2006 was to take the sharp point of an arrow used in archery and put that against the sto- soft part of your neck and then lean against the tip. A man named Kirk. What the? Di- what? Yes. And you're supposed to lean against the tip and also be next to another person. So you're leaning into each other and then it breaks. 
Well, what happened to this guy is the shaft snapped and the arrow pointed deeply into his eyebrow. It like penetrated his eyebrow. What the fuck? This is the most bananas thing. In July of 2009, a woman named Colleen Conaway, she went to a host, she went to a seminar hosted by him. It was in San Diego. Hey, Margo. My friend Margo lives in San Diego. And there's a big mall there called Horton Plaza. And they have Comic-Con there at that time. They're having this weekend thing with him or this five-day seminar thing with him. And he decides a way to teach them humility is to make them all dress like homeless people. So he tells all of them, dress like a homeless person and leave all of your ID and everything in your room and just sort of walk around. And this woman had had problems with suicide ideation and was walking around by herself, didn't know anybody, and she went to the Horton Plaza and basically she jumped to her death. And <gasps> because she didn't have ID on her and she wasn't with anybody because she just sent them all out, that it, it took them days to figure out who it was and for her to contact her family. Why did, they have, why did they have to give up their ID? Is it the idea that somebody would walk up to him and be like, you're not really homeless. You have ID. I, I, it's, it's, he, it's control. I don't even understand that part. It's yeah. control. That's it's awful. control. It's yeah. And so, and just like, I've just, you know, you feel so terrible for her family. So this is just a few months later and it's in Sedona, Arizona. He's holding a retreat. It costs $10,000 per participant. First, he starts them off with fat, making them fast for 36 hours out in the desert. And they show up thinking they're going to stay at a nice hotel and like, you know, the other things like, no, we're sleeping outside in Arizona. Oh, no, it's like the- like that it's like that fire festival or whatever yes they should, uh. he okay go, makes them go out okay he's wearing a long white robe and it's like sashed around the middle he has a sash around his middle and he says <sighs> okay i am god and when i tell you to play dead you are going to play dead until i tell you you can wake up and he walked around and told people you're dead you're dead you're dead. And they had to basically lay in the ground for hours. It's until he told them they weren't dead anymore. Jesus. Uh, he, he, a messiah complex. He just like, he, yeah. Yeah. These people are starving. And then they, they, they camp out there. And then there's like, I could hear animals making noise. I'm like, yeah, you're out in the middle of the desert. There's, there's animals like that. That's not the place mm-hmm. for people to just hang out. So after Mm -mm. 36 hours of this, he has them go into the hut and the sweat lodge. You walk in, it's dark, it's hot, it's humid. You're stuffing people in there. They can't move. And he was the person at the entrance. And he only allowed the tarps to open up to bring in more rocks and heat. People were begging for water. They were begging for help. They were begging to leave. And Technically, you could leave, but he had had such a mm-hmm. command over these people after all this time out for these hours and hours and hours. People were vomiting and passing out from the heat Jesus. and humidity, and he still wouldn't let them out. That's awful. So long story, very short. There's, um, they were in there for several hours, and two people died that night. Oh, my God. James Shore and Kirby Brown. 
both very young, just healthy, healthy people. 18 others were sent to the hospital with burns, dehydration, kidney failure, and heart problems. Holy shit. Another person named Liz Newman died after being in a coma for a week. James Arthur Ray refused to talk to the police and head off for his mansion in Southern California. He left them. Yeah, of course he did, because he's he's a prick. He's an asshole. Yeah. Uh, he later spoke on a conference call for a bunch of the with a bunch of the victims, and one of them recorded him, thank God. And they were asking about the safety and what was going on. And he said, you know what? I spoke to someone that was a channeler that could channel people, dead people. And they said that those people were much happier on the other side. They were having such a good time. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> what a fucking asshole. He's... They're fine with it. I talked to them and they, they're, they they're like, that's cool. It's cool. Don't worry. It's fine. He was arrested in February of 20. He's such a shithead. He's such a shithead. He was arrested in February 2010. He couldn't afford the bail, so they lowered the bail so he could be out. He settled. I know. This is wait. wait. Uh, He settled a few lawsuits before going to trial in 2011. He was found guilty of three counts of negligent homicide. He was sentenced to two years in prison. That's it. That's it. Our system is broken. (laughs) After, ever since then, he's been trying to rebuild his brand. He went on the Pierce Morgan show. We talked about Pierce Morgan in one of our episodes. Oh, well, that should fix everything. And Pierce Morgan, when he had a job at CNN, and Pierce Morgan's manager became his manager, this guy's manager. But he's been trying to, ever since, uh, rebuild his image. Oprah's never said anything. Has never... Mm -hmm made any comments about it and Kirby Brown's family um, there are non crepes and we'll end it with this Kirby Brown's family created a nonprofit it's called seek safely and it's just to help people navigate self-help groups because they're not oh, regulated right and so you go there good I isn't that great yeah yeah they've been hounding him like they want him James Arthur Ray to sign a pledge to say that he will practice, he will do the best, safest practices from now on. He won't do it. Of course he won't. Yeah. He basically looks at his time in prison as his lesson to learn and that he's learned his mm-hmm. lesson and now he's moving on. And he's still, he's not anywhere near as, success, as successful as he once was, but he still is a self-help coach and he's alive. These other people aren't. He's alive. And that's our final creep today, James Arthur Ray. Good job, Margot. What a fucking creep. He's such an asshole. God. He's the worst. I'm glad we saved him for last. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I wanted to do. So once again, the podcast is called Guru, The Dark Side of Enlightenment. It's really, really good. Matt, uh, Matt Stroud is the host. It's really, really good. And they go into much more detail about things, but you just want to punch him in the nuts when you hear about this. Mm-hmm. Such entitlement. A piece of shit. Yep. All right, you guys. So that's our yep. show this week. <laughs> it's it's super size. <laughs> it is. This is a long one, but that was that was a lot of creep. It was a lot of creeping out we had to do. So we will be back next week with a new episode. Uh, it's going to be Charles Dickens, just to give you guys. <laughs> <laughs> 
which I think will be fun. And then we're going to take a week off for Christmas. I hope you understand. Yes. (laughs) And also, if you like the sound of our voices, we also co-host the Dorking Out Show, where we dork out about movies. And Sonia, this weekend, we are covering Titanic. Titanic. We're going to watch and talk about Titanic, which isn't a holiday movie, but it did come out. Uh, in December, which so I don't know, for some reason, it feels December for me, Titanic. So it's so fucking cold. Look at that water. It's going to be it's going to be. Yeah, seriously, that's true. It's going to be a good one. I haven't watched it in a long time. And but there's just it's a long movie. There's a lot to talk about. Yeah, I can't wait. So that's happening this weekend. And uh, guys, please follow us on all the things for social media. And especially if you have ideas for creeps or non creeps, because we always need suggestions for that. Do it on social media. You can do it at CreepPod on Twitter or on Instagram, Facebook. We love it when you use the Annie Potts gift from Ghostbusters. We got one. But any other ideas you have for that, go for it. Our email is whatacreeppodcast at gmail.com. And Sonia, where can they find you? You can find me at thesoniashow.com and the Sonia Show on Twitter and Instagram, where I post photos of beer and dogs and bread. Where can people find you, Margo? You could find me at Brooklyn Fit Chick, mostly for Twitter and Instagram. Lots of pictures of my cats on Instagram. And my blog is brooklynfitchick.com. And guys, we'll be back next week with a new episode. So in the meantime, don't be a creep. Creep. Thank you for listening to us talk about creeps. You can follow us at What A Creep Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But don't follow us too closely. You can email us your creepy stories at whatacreeppodcast at gmail.com. But please keep your dick pics to yourself. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.